And tonight I want to call your attention to the book of Acts chapter 17. We'll look to the book of Acts chapter 17, or rather chapter 7, verse 17. Chapter 7 and verse 17. I want to read through uh, verse 20 in your hearing. We're looking forward to this weekend. Amen. Hope all of you are making plans to be here Friday night and Saturday morning for our uh, Global Harvest in Motion uh, seminar. It's going to be uh, powerful. We already have some pastors and people coming in from out of state for it. And I know that it's going to be a blessing to everyone that's here. But we especially want East Wind to take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, it'll be more than just uh, instructional. It'll be uh, impartation. It will be something that I think will be interactive, and uh, it'll be a great blessing to you. So if you've ever hungered for more of God, then we encourage you to be here Friday night. We'll begin at 7.30 on Friday night. I look forward to all of you being here for that. Acts chapter 7, and we begin reading in verse uh, 17. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God... But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred, and evil entreated our fathers, so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. It's interesting to read that sentence because it's a clear indication that one of the very um, deliberate attacks of the enemy is to destroy the next generation. This is why it is so important. And, it's, and, and just like we see, you know, these tactics are, are, are still in play today. It's very... It's done very subtly. It's not always overt. It's done in a very uh, sort of hidden way. But the, the end game, the, the goal, is to destroy the next generation. There are uh, numbers of churches that, um, denominational churches that are closing down because it, it, it's all uh, older people that... Um, eventually can't come to service anymore and so the church just uh, shuts its doors or uh, rents out to something else or some other uh, church and they basically go out of business because the next generation did not rise up. This is why we believe strongly that we have to focus on the next generation. Our young people in college career age are having a service in the Life Center tonight and uh, some of the young people are speaking. It's very important that this torch be passed to the next generation. And we see this, that there was an effort made uh, by this Pharaoh to totally eliminate the Jews. That it says here, they cast out their young children to the end. This was their purpose 
to this end, that they might not live, that the entire race would be extinguished. It wasn't to be the last time that that was a motive of a maniacal dictator. We saw that in World War II with Hitler trying to totally wipe out a nationality, the Jews. But I love this, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. I want to speak for a few moments tonight on this subject, the tale of two seasons. The tale of two seasons. It's interesting that in the first part of verse 17, it says, but when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. In his book, A Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens writes the famous words, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, it was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. That is the epitome of contrasts. How could you have both of these things happening simultaneously? Of course, in the, uh, the fictional story written by Charles Dickens, he describes this tale of two cities, both of them contrasting. But what's interesting is in this verse that we read, particularly the verse of 17, we find that it appears that these contrasts are on display in a very um, vivid description but when the time of the promise drew nigh, at the season, when the Jewish people were under their greatest assault as a nation, and really, at this point, not even a formalized nation, just a tribe of people. They, of course, had come to Egypt because of God's favor on Joseph. But as they now are in... Um, Egypt, the Bible says, a Pharaoh arose that knew not Joseph. Didn't feel any allegiance to Joseph. But looks at these Jews that are multiplying and feels threatened by their great number. And decides that it's time to start eliminating them. And so they put them under severe slavery. And are beating them and and all that happens during that time of 400 years, uh, not a brief season, but an elongated season, a, an extended period of time, as it were. And it is one that uh, we would all look at and see that it is quite traumatic. 
It is a difficult season. It is a harmful season. It is a hurting season. But yet in the middle of that, there was another season that was happening simultaneously. It says, but when the time of the promise drew nigh, it was in that context that the Lord begins to fulfill his promise to Abraham that you will be the father of many nations and your seed will be as the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. There, there are two seasons that are happening at the same time. And if we were to get our arms around these two seasons and describe them from which their origin is, we would have to say that one is man's season and one is God's season. And because we are natural beings and we're in a natural world and we have these uh, fleshly bodies it is easy for us to become consumed with man's season. But ladies and gentlemen, I remind you that the Word of God can remind us that even though we're in this world, we're not of this world. And there is another season that is happening simultaneously. And it is a season of revival. It's a season of victory. It's a season of promise. And we have to make sure that we don't become so consumed with man's season that we lose the opportunity to be a part of God's season and to realize that that season is a season of promise and in the most adverse environment, God does his greatest work. Not everybody can see this because of the distraction of the day. But when we look at history, when we look through the portal of, of biblical principles and stories that we read in Scripture, we see that uh, this season that we read about in um, the book of Acts, it refers back to the Jews, of course, and slavery of Egypt, we find that though the Word of God says it was a time of promise, if you were to ask any of those people in that day, they would tell you it was a time of persecution. It was a time of slavery. But yet God's season would say it's a time of salvation. Man would say it's a season of mistreatment. God would say it's a season of multiplication. And this seems to be similar to where we find ourselves today. Prosperity and perplexity. Two seasons at the same time. Fulfillment and frustration running on parallel tracks. Commitment and uncertainty. Man's time and God's time. Man's laws and God's laws. And yet when we look at what God is wanting to do, we have to step back and get excited rather than be discouraged because we recognize this is the day that the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is not the time to be discouraged. This is not the time to hang our harps on the willow trees as we read in Scripture. This is not the time to curl up in a ball and, and get in a corner and suck our proverbial thumb and feel sorry for ourselves. No, this is the time to go boldly before the throne of grace and get help in a time of need. This is a time to come back to the Word of God. This is a time to get back to a place of prayer. This is a season to get in where we recognize that God is in charge of all things. This is the season of revival. It's a season of promise. There's been some things that you've been praying for for a long time. I've come to remind you that this is the season that those promises are going to come to fulfillment. We declare 2022 to be a season of harvest and revival. The question then that we must ask ourselves is how are we to navigate these seasons? We know that God's timing is not man's timing and that his ways are not our ways. We know that what we view as a spiritual winter may be the opposite on God's calendar. And we certainly know that we have to choose what season that we're going to live in. We can either allow our actions to be dictated by our surroundings or we can say, wait a second, I don't have to live as a victim of my circumstances. I can determine my destiny. Oh, hallelujah. There's something about the Word of God and the ways of God that are empowering to humanity. Everything about sin is to take away your options and take away your freedoms and take away your liberty and take away what you can and cannot do and make you live as a sin under the heavy, in, in the, in the, in sin as a, as a weight as it were that would totally dismantle us and, and cause us to be incapacitated. But oh, my friend, when you get into the ways of God, when you get into the word of God, you get into the will of God, you begin to find out that there's something empowering. There's a God that says that you don't have to just be a victim of your circumstances. You don't have to just be a, a martyr of your upbringing. Oh, no, my friend. There's a God that says, I'll make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, I can make everything brand new. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for a God, hallelujah, that empowers the church of the living God uh, to determine your direction, to determine your choices, uh, and to determine what season you're in. I refuse to get in a defensive posture. I refuse to just hang my head and try to survive. In this season, I choose to get into the word of God and find that this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. You got breath, you ought to get up every day and say, Lord, I give praise unto you. You're a prayer answering God. Hallelujah. If you know the power of the name of Jesus, uh, you ought to use it on everything. You ought to declare his name over your car, over your food, over your job, over your family. 
You ought to declare the name of Jesus all the time in everything that you do. Because there's power in His name. Hallelujah. You know that you can come before the Lord. The Bible said the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. You ought to take advantage of that weapon. You ought to take advantage of that opportunity. And you ought to utilize it. Hallelujah. You know that there's authority that comes in the name of Jesus. And there's victory that comes when a man or a woman will begin to worship God anyhow. Hallelujah. So when you ought to feel down, you choose to feel up. When you ought to be discouraged, you decide to rejoice. When you ought to just be uh, sad because of what happened on the job today, you're determined, hallelujah, I'm going to lift my hands anyhow. I'm in a season of rejoicing. I'm in a season of victory. Hallelujah. I'm in God's hands. There are three things that I would like for you to focus on that I believe can help us to navigate uh, how we can get uh, into... God's season. The first is the right atmosphere. The right atmosphere. A, a season of promise, understand this, or, or a time of promise, is not measured in terms of a favorable environment. We, we think that, you know, God must be happy with us because we're being blessed and then if you subscribe to that, then it's also easy to buy the counterpoint, and that is that when things are going wrong, God is upset with you, or He's lost your zip code, or He's not hearing your prayers anymore. So you, you have to know that neither one of those is true, that God's favor on His people is, is not always defined or measured by the uh, immediate environment that you feel. How do we get into the right atmosphere? We, we have to recognize the principles of God's Word are at play. And when we talk about the right atmosphere, we talk about a season of promise that God is fulfilling the promises of His Word. Regardless of our culture, our atmosphere, our environment. The promise to Abraham was that his seed would be a great nation, an immeasurable number. The promise was not that they would be delivered out of Egypt. Now probably everybody in Egypt at that time was focused on the severe assault upon their nation, their families, their freedoms, because like I said earlier, we're humans and it's easy to react in those natural settings. But there was something else that was happening simultaneously. And it was not a promise that they would be delivered out of Egypt. The promise is that they would be a great nation. So God was making them a great nation while they were in an adverse environment. His season was a season of promise. The fact that He delivered them was the result of the prayers that they prayed while they were in captivity. But while they were in captivity, God was not asleep. God was not on vacation. I feel like declaring to somebody tonight 
You may feel like you're in the winter of despair, but God is not asleep. He's not on vacation. He is still a God that's as close as the mention of his name. You can speak the name of Jesus, hallelujah, and the Lord is as close as the very mention of his name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. This was where the children of Israel found themselves in Egypt. And this was a promise that God was fulfilling. He, maybe I feel like I want to elaborate on this for just a few more seconds. When God is fulfilling his promises, he does not need uh, a cheering squad to encourage him to fulfill his promises. He's a God that operates by principle and laws. And if he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. He doesn't need everybody to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't need kings and leaders and nations to agree with his plan. He's God all by himself. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you what, if you can get a revelation of the sovereignty of God, you'll quit chewing your fingernails down to your elbows, worried about every situation that's happening in your life, in your family, in your home, with your kids. You've got to step back and say, He knows the way that I take. And when I have tried, I shall come forth as gold. He's a sovereign God. And everything's in His hand. fulfilling his promise to Abraham though Abraham was gone Joseph was gone and the children of Israel were in slavery God was still at work oh hallelujah God fulfills his promise in the midst of political unrest when the Soviet Union and an atheistic empire took over Russia and under the communist regime and the philosophies of Karl Marx and all that took place that turned Eastern Europe into a communist nation and a league of nations as it were and the Soviet Empire growing and all of its uh, armory and uh, nuclear weapons and everything that was going on at that time even in the midst of that adverse environment God was at work behind the Iron Curtain to the point that when the Soviet Union imploded on its own without anybody having to fire a weapon against it, whenever it was easy to see that this was the demise of this empire, because I rise tonight to declare to you that anything that's not built on God will fall. A nation not built on biblical principles will fall. A church that's not built on biblical principles will fall. A family that's not built on the word of God will fail. Everything's coming down, but the word of God's going to stand forever. You've got to get on the rock. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It came down three to six million apostolics 
come out from behind the iron curtain, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. My goodness, we didn't know we had such a revival going on. But God, hallelujah, is not confined by an adverse environment. He's not confined by a hostile government. He does his greatest work in the midst of political unrest, in the middle of the persecution in the Middle East under the Roman Empire. It's where this church was born. It was born in the fire. Oh, I feel like preaching tonight that God is a God that does his greatest work in a persecuted environment. But it's not that's going to keep God at bay. It's not going to shut down the miraculous. God can work in any environment and chooses an adverse environment for his greatest work. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of an economic slowdown. The atmosphere that ushers in the season of promise is not what we think is necessary. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's an unfavorable atmosphere that brings the supernatural. I said it's an, an unfavorable atmosphere that brings the supernatural. Consider the atmosphere that brings a crop to harvest. It's the uncomfortable heat and the thunderstorms that produce the concentrated rains. When we plant in the spring, it is with the promise that the season will produce an atmosphere, though uncomfortable to us, exactly what the promise needs to bring it out of the ground. God's given some of you a promise that you got to water it with tears. Hallelujah. You got to go ahead and, and cultivate it. Uh, you got to cultivate it with sacrifice. You got to cultivate it with submission. You got to cultivate it with commitment and faithfulness. You got to cultivate it by putting one foot in front of the other and saying, I don't understand why I'm going through this, but oh, the Lord knows the way that I take. Uh, I'm going to just keep on keeping on. All I know to do is just keep on loving God and serving God. Uh, I've come to tell you that promise is going to bear fruit. It's going to come up out of the ground. This atmosphere of thunderstorms and heat and uncomfortableness produces a fall harvest. It jump starts the growth process. It activates the necessary ingredients to bring a seed to the point of fruition. Consider the atmosphere that brings about the promise of new life. Promise that that child is going to be born. The process of childbirth, through un though it's uncomfortable to a mother, it's exactly what the child needs to sustain life outside of the womb. The season of promise may be nine months, but when it's the most uncomfortable... When it is the most awkward, and then finally when it is the most painful, the promise is manifested with the miracle of new life. You say, Pastor, why do you use the natural to illustrate the spiritual? Because he's the same God. I said he's the same God. 
Some of you can't understand why you've been going through the things you have. Oh, my friend, it's because there's a promise that's going to be born. He's God is creating the right atmosphere. He's getting the environment at dew point. That's when the atmosphere is saturated with enough moisture that the rains are going to come. It's not something that's lost on God's creation. I've seen the animals respond on the savannah to it. They can feel it that there's an atmosphere shift. Oh, I feel an atmosphere shift in the midst of COVID. I, I feel a spiritual atmosphere shift that the moisture is gathering in the air. And the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. Oh, God can do it by himself, but he'd love for some apostolics to join with him and say, this is our hour. This is our season. Consider the atmosphere that brings about a spiritual promise. The disappointment of the crucifixion of Jesus brings about the promise that Jesus gave just weeks earlier. Destroy this temple. We talked about it Sunday. And in three days, I will raise it up. Calvary, though discouraging, brought the exhilaration of the resurrection. The disappointment of the ascension of Jesus brings the promise of the Father with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. The persecution of the post-apostolic fathers brought in the revival fires of Christianity and it could not be contained. After 9-11, in the midst of chaos and uncertainty, America went to church in greater numbers than any day in history. In 2008, uncertainty abounds. Rising gas prices, foreclosures at a modern all-time high, a housing market that was overcorrecting for the recent boom in property values, a credit crisis where our financial institutions were insolvent and being bought by Asian financial houses. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, government-backed mortgage groups were needing to be bailed out by a government that was already trillions of dollars in debt. A political climate that was tenuous at best. But in that season, God gives a great revival. On the surface, it may appear that these are the worst of times. But I stand today to declare they are the best of times. It may appear that these are troubling times. But I rise to proclaim that this is the time of promise. This is the atmosphere, my friend, that God works in. God is not held hostage to the economic winds that blow. He is not confined by the parameters of inflation and OPEC. He is not held hostage by a pandemic. This is fertile ground for the hand of God. I challenge you and the Holy Ghost to get a hold of the right season and the right atmosphere that you're in and realize this is harvest time. This is the time of promise. If you've been praying for something for a long time, I tell you, it's this time. It's this moment. It's right now. 
this is the day that God has given us. You got to get ready for the fruition of that promise. Oh, come on, would you lift your hands right now and begin to thank God for the promise that's coming to fruition. It's coming up. It's coming to life. It's the right atmosphere. We're in the right atmosphere. It's our time. It's our season. Look up. Lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. Do you think it's going to be in the midst of a party when Jesus returns? No, my friend, read your Bible. The promise of his return is going to be in a season of unrest. Luke 21 and verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then, everybody say, and then. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, oh, I feel my help coming now. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth not. I wonder is there any East Wind members that want to look up and lift up your heads with a spirit of anticipation and expectation that our promise draweth nigh, that our redemption draweth nigh, that this is the hour of the church that God has given us. John 4, 35, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in the right atmosphere. And the second thing that we have to have is the right attitude. A promise needs more than just the right atmosphere. It needs the right attitude. The right atmosphere is critical. But the promise needs the right attitude. Planes have a gauge called an attitude indicator. It lets you know if your place in the sky is properly aligned. Is your vessel, your aircraft, is it pitched properly? In the atmosphere. Is the nose too low? Or is it too high? If the nose is pointed down, it's in a dive. And it has the wrong attitude. If you're always complaining down in the dumps, it's hard for a promise to get any traction in your life. Your nose is too low. 
if you want to climb higher, you can't do it with the nose of your vessel pointed down. Woe is me. Woe is me. This is why on Sunday when these people got ready to receive the Holy Ghost, we told them to lift up their heads. You got to get your head lifted up and get ready. Hallelujah for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's getting the right position and the right posture. You, you, you have to position yourself for the promises of God. God doesn't just knock you out and pour out his blessings upon you when you're unconscious or not looking or not expecting. He's looking for a vessel that has prepared itself. Hallelujah. If you want to go up, you got to pitch your plane up. Hallelujah. You got to get an attitude that's looking upward. You got to check your attitude indicator. If no promises are happening in your life, then you got to look at your own attitude. It could be you can't climb up higher because your pitch is too low. You, you say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. I know it's the tale of two seasons. Uh, everybody's going through stuff. But at the same time, there's been a lot of good things happen to you. The question is, what are you focused on? Are you focusing on what's been taken or are you focusing on what's left? Oh, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, I could spend all my time worried about things that I've lost. Or I could rear back my head and say, oh, you've been so good. You brought me a mighty long way. You've kept me through the fire. You've kept me through the storm. You've kept me through the crisis. You've kept me through the time of sickness. I'm still here, God. And you've been too good to me for me to hold back my praise. I got to praise. You anyhow, I gotta love you anyhow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, You got to praise God sometimes when it's awkward. I said, you got to praise God sometimes when it's awkward. Anybody can praise God in church uh, when the band's going and the music's going and the Holy Ghost is flowing and people around you are worshiping. Uh, but oh, can you worship on your job uh, when everything's going wrong? Can you worship in your home uh, when you're in an adverse environment? You got to worship God sometimes when it's uncomfortable, when it's awkward, when it doesn't feel right. Do it anyhow. You don't learn how to fly by your instruments. You can get spiritual vertigo different ratings you know if you're your vfr that means visual flight rules that means you can only fly based on being able to look out at the horizon look out the plane but if you get ifr instrument rating then you can fly based on your instruments and regardless of what you feel you trust your instruments there's a lot of people like John F. Kennedy Jr. that die in a small plane crash with vertigo, spatial disorientation. 
thinking they're climbing when they're actually diving. Because the atmosphere will trick you. But if you learn how to fly by your instruments, by what you know that you know, even though the plane feels like it's cockeyed, according to my instruments, I'm doing just just right. It feels like I'm diving, but according to my instruments, my wings are level. I feel like I'm awkward. I feel like I'm off balance. I feel like uh, there's something going wrong, but I can look at my instruments and know everything's going to be okay because you can't always trust your feelings. and You can't always trust your sight, uh, but you can always trust the Word of God. Uh, There's some things that I know I've had to learn uh, how to fly with a hood on sometimes uh, where I put all the other stuff out of my mind uh, and I said, I'm just going to walk according to your promises. You're a faithful God. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. I get vertigo if I look around. I get disoriented if I look around this world. I can't make sense of my circumstances. But when I get into my instruments and I get a hold of the Word of God, I know He's going to see. Somebody's got to get back to the instruments of God's Word. They'll keep you in a storm. They'll keep you in a storm. On the other hand, if you have your nose too high, that's not good either. Because if the nose of your aircraft is pointed too high, you can stall. That means you cease to have lift anymore. When you cease to have lift, you may still be in the air, but you're not flying anymore. You're dropping. The Bible says that a proud look cometh before destruction. Oh, my friend, this is why I fear our nation that has gotten away from the origin of the blessings. Realizing where this has all come from. It wasn't from our own ingenuity. It was from people that wanted a place of religious freedom. It was from people that prayed before they made any decisions. Oh, but after a while, you can get the trajectory of your thought process too high and think that you can do it on your own. And before long, if we're not careful, we can get a proud look and think that we can be self-sustained without the blessings of God. You may still be in the air, but it's only a matter of time. Once you stall, you're coming down. Oh, my friend, you can't get anywhere without God. I can't get anywhere without God. If we're too proud to pray, if we're too proud to admit that we need forgiveness and we need to give forgiveness, if we're too proud to submit our will to His will, we're not flying anymore. We're just living. We're just existing. But, oh, when you get the trajectory right... When you get the right attitude and you say, God, I know I'm here by your grace and by your goodness. I recognize that every good gift cometh from the Father of lights. I thank you for it, Lord. And I'm going to find time every day to praise you. I'm going to start off this year with putting some spiritual disciplines in my life where I'll be faithful to you every day. You've given me every day as a gift. When I wake up in the morning, I recognize it's another gift from you. So before I go to bed at night, there's a verdict that's passed on my actions and your actions. What have you done with the day that God gave you? 
What have we done with the day that God gave us? Have we told anybody about the Lord? Have we witnessed to anybody? Have we shared an encouraging word? Have we taken time to give praise unto God? I'm glad you're in the house of God tonight because you didn't waste this Wednesday. You said, I'm coming to the house of God. I'm getting into the word of God. Atmosphere, the right attitude, and finally, the right action. I felt pulled back to Second Chronicles chapter 7 earlier this week, verses 14 and 15. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. That posture. If my people which are called by my name, Jesus' name, apostolics, called by his name, will humble themselves and pray. He says, I'll hear from heaven. He will not turn a deaf ear. He'll be attent unto what we are seeking. The right action brings about the reality of the promise. The promise of the Holy Ghost required the right action of the followers of Jesus. The promise of revival in the last days requires the right action. Go ye into all the world. Teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name. The name of the Father, Jesus. The name of the Son, Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. That's the right action. That's the mandate from Scripture. You see, my friend, there's a promise that God has given us of healing. If any two shall agree together, they shall ask in my name. This is the season for God's people to come together and ask in His name. And God will heal. I said, God will heal. How many people has he healed in the last two years? You can focus on who has gone on or you can focus on who is still here. That God has healed. Hmm. There's a promise of miracles. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out. There's a promise, my friend, of miracles. A promise that's going to come to fruition in this right atmosphere. There's a promise of power. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Come on, my friend. This is promises that are coming to fruition where there's the right attitude, there's the right action, there's the right atmosphere. It seems like all of it involves coming together. The promise of forgiveness, seek and ye will find. Knock and it shall be opened. Ask and it shall receive. This is not the season to become reticent and reluctant. This is the season to pursue the promises of God.
there's a promise of blessings. Prove me and see if I will not pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. This is not the season to get stingy with God. This is a season to say, Lord, I declare that you're bringing up, hallelujah, a harvest. And it's a harvest uh, that's going to give your people, your people, the resources to reach this world. There's something special about this day and hour that we live. God is providing the church with resources to reach the world. That's why we embark upon this global harvest in motion because we recognize that God has given us the necessary resources to evangelize the world. We refuse to hide in a bunker and to mark the days until we die or Jesus comes. While there is light, we must work for the night cometh when no man can work. God has promised us, hallelujah. That's why I say to you today, don't live in fear and worry and doubt and close up your hands of of giving and your hearts of compassion. But oh, my friend, look up and lift up your hands and give it to God. He's going to do a great work. That promise is going to come to pass, hallelujah. There's going to be blessings that you cannot even contain. They're going to overflow. The storehouses are going to overflow. Hallelujah. God is going to provide for the family of God. He's going to give you the necessary resource. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, God put it on the hearts of all of their neighbors to come and to give them financial blessings. When they left Egypt, they left a rich nation. You know why? Because God put it on the hearts of those around them to bless them for their journey. I've come to tell you that blessing is going to come to you. He's going to put it on the hearts of people around you. And they're going to bless you and not even know why they're blessing you. But they feel to do it. Talking to a man the other day in Orlando. I just bumped into him. I grew up with him. He used to be raised in Pentecostal churches and camps. And we grew up together. But he's grown up and... Their church went through some difficult times and he still got a heart for God, but he kind of lost his way. But God has blessed him financially for a number of years. He was the chairman of the Orlando Airport Authority. All of that building over there under his direction. We were standing in a restaurant the other day talking and catching up. And he began to tell me about all that he has a heart to do for the kingdom of God and all that he wants to do. He's already been involved in a number of different mission projects, but as he began to tell me what God is doing in his life and what he desires to do for the kingdom of God, it all reminded me again that God, hallelujah, is going to pull from so many different places and resources. I've come to tell you, it's going to blow your mind. You ought to get up every day and be excited. This is the day that the Lord has made. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Oh, my friend, I said, this is the day that the Lord has made. You better go ahead and get ready because victory is coming in places and in ways that you never imagined. And when it does, hallelujah, don't cleave to yourself. Don't hoard it up in, in your own bosom. Oh, no, my friend. Say, God, you're the giver of everything. I put it back in your hands. I bless your name. I bless your work. And God will bring about the promises that he has put in your spirit. I come to a close. The promise of faithfulness. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That promise is coming to pass in this season. The promise of salvation. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about 13 people receiving the Holy Ghost in the midst of COVID outbreak. I'm talking about a tale of two seasons. We choose to live in God's season. The season of blessing. The season of purpose. The season of promise. Would you stand to your feet? I choose, hallelujah, to live in the season that God has given us. Doesn't mean we're foolish or naive about the world that we live in, uh, but we recognize that there's another kingdom at play. Uh, there's another world at play. Uh, there's the promise of the Holy Ghost, Terry, until you be endued with power from on high. The Bible said that these things, what things? The promises of God cometh not uh, but by prayer and fasting. Oh, my friend, we got to pray. Uh, I'm asking each family to pick a day in the week uh, when you can pray for at least one hour. You're family needs it. Your church needs it. Your country needs it. And you need it. You need it more than you realize. Uh, every department in the church uh, under the leadership of its team leader uh, ought to get a schedule together for prayer to say we're going to pray as a team. Uh, we're not going to just be involved in the ministry of the church. Uh, we're going to be involved uh, in bringing up uh, the spiritual harvest uh, of the church. Uh, don't let anything get on your schedule. That's going to keep you from it. This is our time. This this is our season. We must respond now like never before. These things cometh not. These promises cometh not. But by prayer and action, prayer and fasting, we've got to have the right action. We've got to fast. I'm asking each family in this church to pick one day of the week when you and your family can fast. You determine the day. You determine the schedule, but fast at least one day a week. The right action. These things cometh not but by prayer and fasting. We must lay aside every weight and sin. If you've got too much baggage, the flight will not get off the ground. The crop cannot come up if you pour a sidewalk on top of it. Let us lay aside every weight. Come on, that stuff you've been trudging along. It's not allowed on the aircraft. It's too much junk. Leave it. Lay it aside. You've been carrying that grudge long enough. Lay it aside. This is the season of promise. This is the season when God brings it all back. Come on, everything the devil took from you, he's going to bring it all back. It's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
I wish somebody in this church would join me down here and just help me pray for a little bit. I feel like that God would bring some things to fruition even this very night uh, as God's people get together and begin to pray uh, and worship Him for just a moment. Uh, If you've got to go, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, But for those of you that can stay for just a few moments, uh, I wonder if you'd come and lift up your voice. Uh, I wonder if you'd come down to the front uh, and just lift up your hands and your voice uh, and begin to declare the promise promises of God. This shall be. This is my year. This is my season. This is the day. This is the opportunity. If you're watching online, begin to pray in your house. Stand up in your living room floor. Lift up your hands and begin to believe God. God's going to bless this home. God's going to heal this body. God's going to restore this family. I declare it by the word of God. I will live and not die. I will be blessed and not cursed. I am the head and not the tail. I am the apple of God's eye.
Bible said if any two or three agree together, they could ask in my name and it shall be done. Why don't you take the hand of somebody next to you? Would you agree together right now? Come on, two by two, the unity of this year that God's given us is part of the atmosphere for the fulfillment of his promises. Come on, begin to thank you for something you've been praying for. Come on, agree with one another right now. It shall be. It shall be. Any two or three shall ask anything in my name, it shall be in the name of Jesus. We pray for healing on our land. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray for a mighty outpouring of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray for revival in Melbourne and Palm Bay. We pray for revival in this community. In the name of Jesus. We agree together. We pray for prodigals that will come home in this season. Family members uh, that's going to pray back through in this season. says there's two things that they did the children of Israel before they went to battle 
One is that they shouted in what they called the shout of triumph, which was a shout that took place before the battle. They shouted in anticipation of the victory. And the other thing the Bible tells us is that when they would go to battle, they would go with a high hand. I feel like we ought to lift up our hands and lift up our voice right now. And would you begin to thank him in advance? Oh, with a high hand! And with the voice of triumph! I thank you for the victory! I thank you in advance, oh Lord! Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I feel it in my spirit. Let's get ready for it. Let's prepare for it. The right atmosphere, the right attitude, the right action. These things come with by prayer and fasting. Let's be ready for it. training Friday and Saturday. Brother Chris Green staying over with us on Sunday. We're going to have another time of revival and harvest. Amen. Bring family members. Bring friends. This is our season. God is in it. And if God be for us, who can be against us? God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.